are on air for our Las Vegas NASCAR Weekend Preview with Santa Racing Radio. And joining me for today's uh, podcast is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Good Wednesday morning afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we're doing a podcast here Wednesday morning uh, because uh, I have some personal things I need to do on Thursday night, as well as the Arkham and Art Series West race will be taking place tomorrow night. So uh, we'll get back to our regular schedule for next week. Uh, but here we go. Tonight, uh, today, we're going to be previewing uh, the Arkham Menards Series West at the Las Vegas Bullring. Uh, then we'll get into the NASCAR Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And uh, we'll also start off with uh, a few updates for the Arkham Menards Series and the Arca East series. Uh, 90 minutes into the show, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to fast forward to Hot Topics, you can do that. We'll start Hot Topics 90 at the 90-minute mark. So uh, our fan for racing crew, Jay, myself, and Andy will be on board for that. So with that, Jay, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get into the updates for the Arca Menard series. Uh, as well as the Arca East. Uh, their next races, uh, well, the Arca East is done. They don't have a next race. So they are finished. Sammy Smith won the championship at Bristol Motor Speedway. And uh, the next race for the Arca Menard Series uh, is going to be the Sioux Chief Powerpex 200 on October the 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern at Salem Speedway. By the way, that is the final race for the Sioux Chief Showdown as well. So we'll know who the champion is for the Sioux Chief Showdown races this season in the Arkham Menard Series. That will be televised on Mad TV. So uh, fans, if you don't have Mav TV, go to arcaracing.com and you'll be able to hear all the action uh, on their radio player there, and they also have Race Central, so you can tune in there to hear what's going on, um, or to they will give you updates directly from the track of what's going on. Let's start with the Arkham Menard Series East and the point standings there, Jay, because um, uh, they crowned their champion. We know that uh, Sammy Smith is the champion. Uh, this will be the last time that we give you the rundown of the standings for the ARCA East because their season is done. Yeah, you mentioned Sammy Smith picking up the uh, championship with his run at Bristol, finishing second to Ty Gibbs. On the year, though, through their eight-race season, picking up three victories of his own, as well as seven top fives and seven top tens in one pole. Average start, 3.9. Average finish of 4.3. Took the championship by 34 points over Daniel Dye. And Dye had a good season of his own. Uh, two top fives, seven top tens, minus 34 points back. Uh, Rajah Karuth come home in the third spot. Two top fives for him with five top tens. Max Gutierrez, another one. He did have a victory as well. Uh, well uh, one that 
four out of the eight that uh, were not won by Ty Gibbs. We'll get to him a little further down the line, but <laughs> Max picking up the uh, the win there. Two top fives and five top tens ended up 52 points back. Joey East, 55 points back. Mason Diaz, 62. Parker Retzklav, uh only made six of the eight races, so top six ran all eight races. Get into the ones that didn't make all the races, but where they finished in the top 10 in points. Parker Retzlav in seventh. Taylor Gray, we talked about him a little bit the other night. Eighth place, only made five races, all five top fives, top tens, along with a pole. Actually had a little bit better average finish than uh, your champion, Sammy Smith, as Taylor ended with a 3.2 average finish. So we'll see what to, what we get from him next year if he's able to uh, have another mm-hmm. full time ride here, uh, barring any injuries as he as we saw this year. Then in ninth, mention Ty Gibbs. Four of the races that were joint Arkham Menard Series East as well as Arkham Menard Series, Ty Gibbs four of them, four wins across the board, four poles, four wins, four top fives, four top tens. Average finish of 1.0, clearly. Uh, phenomenal season for Ty Gibbs, and we'll talk a little bit more about him with the main Arkham Menard series. And then in 10th place, Stephanie Moyer. Uh, six races, two top 10s, ended up 220, 222 points out for the championship. But I think what we got to look at here is these guys and girls getting uh, what they can do next year, full-time ride. We'll see you uh, Ty Gibbs obviously moving. Well, we don't know for sure yet, but we expect to move to the Xfinity Series. So kind of opens the door a lot for these other races that Ty Gibbs was uh, winning. Yes, indeed. Some really phenomenal stats there for Taylor Gray as well as Ty Gibbs racing part-time in the Arca East. Uh, but also for Sammy Smith, who won the championship there. Uh, really great run. I was impressed with Roger Carruth. Uh, for Rev Racing coming in in third place, uh, Daniel Dye in second place. Uh, they had some really tough competition there. Uh, but let's go ahead. I don't want to run out of time here. We've got the Arkham Menard Series standings uh, to cover here as well. Uh, as I mentioned, their next race is going to be at Salem Speedway. Uh, so we definitely want to uh, cover that as well because that's going to be the next to the last race before their season finale at Kansas in October. Well, real quick, if you don't mind, I'm going to do the sh- uh, sorry, I'm going to do the Sioux Chief Showdown points. You mentioned that's the last race oh, very for good. that. Uh, nine races in, one more to go. This one, barring anything uh, unusual happening, uh, it will be Ty Gibbs. Him and Corey Heim are your top two, as we've seen them battle, and we'll talk about in the main Arkham Menard series. But Ty Gibbs leads the Sioux Chief Showdown. Nine starts, six of them victories. Corey Heim is at 364, 17 points behind him. Nine starts. He's got two of the wins, so between them they got eight of the nine wins. Uh, Nick Sanchez, 333 points. Thad Moffitt, 312. They've kind of been having their own little battle. And then Taylor Gray mentioned him. Only six starts out of the nine, and he was able to come home in the, or be in the fifth spot so far at 277 points. 
And that's what those top fives will continue to do for you. Then you got Brad Smith, Jesse Love, Daniel Dye, Tony Constantino, and Alex Club. Again, making limited starts, not all nine starts. The one I want to highlight there, Daniel Dye. He was another one to pick up a victory um, between uh, Ty Gibbs and Corey Himes. Uh, they had the eight combined between the two of them. Daniel Dye picking up the other one for the Sioux Chief Showdowns. Okay. Right, and in the Arkham and Art Series, there's just two drivers, really, that are competing for that championship. And I think uh, the second driver is still mathematically in it. He is. A, again, it would be, uh, well, with two for this, this, two races left. Obviously is mathematically, but here as of late, Ty Gibbs has really put in a stranglehold on it. Uh, 26 points. It is the biggest gap we've seen all year uh, between these two. They were swapping it back and forth week to week, one, two, three point difference. But Ty Gibbs really stretching it out here as of late. Uh, 18 races in so far, 10 victories. Over half of them have gone to Ty Gibbs. 17 top fives, 17 top tens. Nine of those have been poles, led a total of 1,435 laps, three point, or a 2.1 average start, 3.1 average finish. Now, Corey Heim, his stat line, not ashamed to look at. 18 races, <laughs> six victories, 15 top fives, and all 18 top tens. He's also got three poles, has led 405 laps, average start of 3.6, and actually a little bit better average finish at 2.9. But those poll awards, as well as other contingency awards, given that Ty Gibbs now that 26-point advantage. Here we'll go through the top uh, five real quick. Thad Moffitt, 16 starts, is in third. He's 286 points. I mentioned them having a, their own battle. Nick Sanchez, 16 starts, eight top fives and 12 top tens. One Only point one point behind them. that. There you yeah. go, between him and Thad Moffitt. So they're having their own little points battle. Then you got Brad Smith in fifth. Six on back, we get down to only making about half of the starts. Drew Dollar in sixth. Taylor Gray, again, got to mention it, seventh place, ten starts, ten top tens, eight of them being top five. So uh, doing the best at the starts he's got after that uh, personal injury he had. Then rounding out the top ten, D.L. Wilson, Kyle Sieg, and Jesse Love. Uh, Love, we're going to talk about here for the West Series, going after the championship there to be a back-to-back Arkham Menards West champion. Yes, indeed. And speaking of the Arkham Menards Series West, they are racing at the Bullring in Las Vegas this weekend in the Star Nursery 150. Uh, that race will take place Thursday night, September the 23rd, at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, that's 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. Now, they will have live streaming available on Track Pass, but you can also hear the radio at arcaracing.com as well as follow along with the highlights uh, via Race Central. Now, it's a .375-mile paved oval. They will be racing 150 Laps to cover a distance of 56.26, I'm sorry, 0.25 miles. Now, Thursday, September the 31st, the garage will open at 1.30. 
They'll have practice and qualifying at 4.45 p.m. The race again at 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's 11.30 Eastern. And uh, there's going to be a lot to look forward to in this race as they continue to wind down their uh, season for this year. Yeah, they have three races remaining on their schedule. They've had a couple of weeks off after the event on the trying 12-turn road course, which was at Portland International uh, Raceway. And now they're back in action on a track layout that's more familiar to its competitors. And that's, of course, racing on that bullring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which is anything but easy. Sharon mentioned it's a (laughs) 0.375-mile paved oval. And it's located just adjacent to the facility's 1.5-mile trioval. It's going to host the three NASCAR National Series this weekend. It's a tricky short track despite its relatively simple layout. Okay. Now, not uh, including the West Season opener at the one-mile Phoenix Raceway, Thursday's uh, Star Nursery 150 at the Bullring is going to mark the series' fourth short track race of the season. Now, tickets are still available, uh, so if you want to go to that event, uh, I would check it out because these guys put on a pretty good show. The race, again, will be shown live on NBC Sports Gold Track Pass starting at 8.30 p.m. Pacific, 11.30 Eastern. And a replay of this race will broadcast on NBC Sports Network on Thursday, September the 30th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So you want to set your DVRs for that if you're not able to get out there to the track or follow along live. Now, the West Series has returned return to the Bullring last season for two races uh, in February and September. That was after a seven-year hiatus. Sam Mayer and Gracie Trotter won those events, becoming the seventh and eighth West Series winners at the 35-year-old track. Now, with neither entered in Thursday night's Star Nursery 150, we're guaranteed to see another first-time Vegas winner in the series. Trotter's bullring victory, of course, was historic as she became the first female driver to win an ARCA-sanctioned race. Now, on Thursday night, we've got five drivers that are looking to become the second. Yes, indeed. There's uh, JoLynn Wilkinson, Amber Slagle, Amber Balcane, uh, Mariah Boudreau, and Bridget Burgess are all entered in the Star Nursery 1. Wilson and Balcane will compete for Bill McAnally Racing, uh, the team Trotter drove for when she won at the Bull Ring just last year. Burgess is the only West Series full-timer uh, in that group, and she races her family-owned number 88, HMH Construction Chevrolet, with her mother, Sarah, as her crew chief. Slagle is a regular competitor in various late model divisions and a mechanic and crew chief for Cook Racing Technologies and will make her the second West Series start uh, driving the number 17W SunWest Construction MMI CRT Chevrolet for Steve McGowan. Boudreaux will make her third West Series start driving the number 77 Jans Rex MD all-phase construction Toyota for Joe Nava. 
Now, Thursday's Star Nursery 150 is a big race as it relates to the season-long Arkham Menard Series West Championship battle. Mentioned Jesse Love. He won two of the three short track races this season that they've contested so far in 2021, uh, both at California's Irwindale Speedway. He'll be looking to extend his points lead. With three races remaining on the year, Love, which, who is the defending champion, currently holds a 19-point edge over second-place Jake Drew in the championship standings. The 16-year-old finished second and third in the pair of bull rings last season, qualified on the general tire pole for the September event. The other drivers in Thursday's field who have West Series experience at the bull ring are, as we mentioned, Burgess, Bobby Hillis Jr., Trevor Huddleston, Joey East, Takuma Koga, Todd Souser, and Kyle Keller. Okay, now we'll go over the complete uh, entry list here. We'll start from the bottom up, and I guess I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll start with the number 99 of Cole Moore. Uh, he's driving the, uh, for Bill McAnally Racing with Mario Isola on top of the pit box. He hails from Orangevale, California, and his sponsor, Napa Power Premium Plus. Number 88, Bridges Burgess from Tule, Utah. Uh, again, her mother, Sarah Burgess, Burgess, on top of the pit box for the HMH Construction Chevrolet. Number 77, that'll be Mariah Boudreaux, we mentioned. Dave McKenzie as the crew chief for the Joe Nava Toyota, coming out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. And then Joey East out of Madero, California, driving the number 54, Mike Knocky, owned and crew chief Ford. Okay, and the number 51, we had him on our show about a week or so ago, Dean Thompson from Arlington, Texas, uh, driving the Thompson Pipes Group Ford. Uh, that car is owned by uh, Brucati uh, Sunrise Ford, and uh, Travis Thurkettle will be his crew chief. Uh, not yet determined who the crew chief is going to be for the number 42 driven by Christian Rose from Martinsburg, Martinsburg West Virginia. Uh, he'll be driving the Visit West Virginia Tourism Chevrolet. Next on the list is the Mike Holleran owned and crew chief Ford number 38 of Stafford Smith out of Thousand Oaks, California, sponsored by Cart Idaho. And then one of the Pedronicillis, P.J. Pedronicilli, in the number 33, comes out of Sonoma, California, and running the Paul Pedronicilli-owned Toyota. Ty Joyner will be the crew chief on that machine. Okay, and the number 31 is the other Pedronicilli, and that is Paul Pedronicilli from Sonoma, California. Uh, he'll be driving the Pedronicilli mobile bottling Chevrolet, and he'll have Rod Nealon on top of the pit box. Ed, Ed Ash will be on the pit box for the number 27 Bobby Hillis Chevrolet uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. Their sponsor, First Impression Press CD Projects. The number 21 John Wood owned and crew chief Stone, Stoney's Rock and Country Certified Service. The driver will be Josh Phanopoulos, uh, 
then up to the 19. That is the Build McAnally Toyota. Driver will be Amber Balcane out of Canyon Lake, California, in the Icon Technologies Limited uh, machine. John Camarelli will be the crew chief there. Okay. Also, uh, another one of our females in the race in the 17W, Amber Slagle from Sylvan Lake, Michigan, will be driving the SunWest Construction MMI CRT Chevrolet, and Sean Samuels will be her crew chief. Chad Johnston will be on top of the pit box for the number 17 Ford Performance Ford, driven by Taylor Gray from Mooresville, North Carolina. Next on the list is our championship points leader and defending West Series champion, Jesse Love, in the number 16 Napa Auto Ports Toyota, owned by Bill McAnally. Crew chief there will be Travis Sharp. Love coming right out of Redwood City, California. And out of Aromas, California, is Todd Souza. He's in the number 13 Toyota, owned by Kelly Souza. Michael Munoz calling the shots for that Central Coast Cabinets machine. Okay, it looks like John Wood is going to have another entry, the number 11, uh, with Mitchell Industrial Park uh, on the uh, sponsorship for his Ford, but they don't know who the driver or crew chief, uh, at least at this printing, uh, is for that car. So watch for that car to be in the race. The number nine, Jake Drew from Fullerton, California, will be behind the wheel of the Bob Brunkati Sunrise Ford Lucas Oil Offset Sports Stilo USA machine. Jeff Schrader will be on top of the pit box. The number seven owned and sponsor or owned and crew chief by Jerry Pitts has an international flavor, not just because it's a Toyota, but it's Takuma Koga behind the wheel from Nagoya, Japan. And then another California driver, Agura Hills, California, Trevor Huddleston in the number six, Bob Brucati Ford. Bill Sedgwick calling the shots for the Sunrise Ford, Lucas Oil, and Haas Development Terraclean. In the number five from Las Vegas, Nevada, is Kyle Keller. Keller. He'll be driving the BBR Eros Environmental Mojave Construction Ford for Jerry Pitts, and Charlie Wilson will be on top of the pit box. In the number four uh, will be Eric Nascimento from Mateca, California. Uh, he'll be behind the wheel of the custom equipment paint Skipco Welding Toyota for his own race team with Mike Nascimento on top of the pit box. Well, we mentioned Jolene Wilkinson earlier in the number one Toyota for McAnally, Mario Isola, as the crew chief for the Instacote Premium Products Toyota. And if you don't know, she's a next generation of the Alabama gang, which means she comes from Hueytown, Alabama. <laughs> there you go. Okay, uh, let's cover the series point standings uh, for this uh, group from the ARCA West because uh, they've got a lot of people that are in contention here. Um, and this is probably our closest uh, contested uh, series of the group. 
It has been uh, all year long. You mentioned uh, Jesse Love having a 19-point lead so far. Six races, two victories on the year, four top fives, five top tens. But right with him there, Jake Drew, three top fives and five top tens, picking up two poles. And then Paul Pedronacilli Jr., three top fives and four top tens, is only 20 points back, as is Cole Moore. Same stat line minus the pole, three top fives and four top tens. Joey East, another one that has a victory, uh, four top fives and four top tens, 23 points back. Todd Souza in sixth place is 29 points back. Trevor Huddleston at minus 32. Tacoma Koga, one top five, two top tens on the year, is only 57 points back. Bridget Burgess, two top tens on the year, is 61 back. And then Bobby Hillis Jr. at minus 67, two top tens on the year. Ten drivers having made all six starts so far. Uh, 67 points, mathematically still good from first to tenth. Uh, again, mathematics don't do a whole lot when Jesse Love's up there uh, top five uh, and winning races. But the, mathematically, all of them still have a chance in these final three races. Do you have a uh, favorite for the winner of this race? Well, taking a Jesse Love aside, I really think Trevor Huddleston is the one to watch this weekend, or w- at least one of them. Okay, that's a good, that's a uh, uh, really good uh, pick. Uh, but I'm going to go. Uh, Jesse Love is really good uh, out there in the West. I'll, I'll take Jesse Love for this week. But I th- also think that Jake Drew is going to give him a run for his money. Well, and those two with the points battle could be interesting. The other one that I, that I kind of thought, like I said, Jesse Love, obviously, uh, you got to consider a favorite with his two victories mm-hmm. already. But I think Joey East is another one. Already having the one victory uh, and four top fives on the year, I think that's another one that we really got to watch, uh, especially when it comes to the bull ring. Okay, just some uh, quick late-breaking news here. If you follow the late model racing, uh, there's a big race going on this weekend, the Credit Union 300 at Martinsville Speedway. Well, Motor Racing Network and Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold are going to broadcast that Valley Star Credit Union 300 at Martinsville this weekend. Uh, So this is uh, uh, kind of a big deal that MRN is going to be a part of that broadcast uh, there on NBC Sports Gold Track Pass. So uh, that is the... uh, one of the richest and most prestigious uh, NASCAR late model races of the year. So uh, the fact that MRN is uh, going to be the voice of NASCAR uh, providing flag-to-flag coverage, uh, I think, is uh, pretty cool. That's huge and awesome. Uh, You know, we've talked about that. As NASCAR took over the Arkham and Ard series, the East and the West, we know they do a lot of involvement with these late model series uh, across the country to have it on MRN yes is a very huge thing as that just uh, is showing the lift and exposure these series are getting and we've had some of the up and coming late model drivers on our show here recently uh in fact Monday night we had um uh Blake Lothian on our show he just won 
in NASCAR's Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series at Hickory Motor Speedway, uh, his fourth event of the year, and he came home with a win. So uh, there's a lot of really up-and-coming stars. This is where you get to know these guys before they get into the ranks of NASCAR. So I really encourage everybody to hit the uh, local short track. And if you're anywhere around Martinsville, you'll definitely want to hit the uh, this Credit Union 300 that's taking place there this weekend. It is. Uh, mention, mentioned it on Monday night when, when talking with Blake. The Xfinity Series that's, uh, says that's where their names are made. Well, we get to know their names and get to know them before their names are made. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of our uh, pleasures to do so. So, okay, so with that, we're ready to uh, move on to the NASCAR series. Uh, All three series are going to be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. We're going to start with the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, They'll be racing Friday, September the 24th at Las Vegas Motor Speedway at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll be covering a distance of, well, they'll be racing 134 laps. Uh, those three stages are 40 laps for both stage one and two. So they'll end on lap 40 for stage one, lap 80 for stage two, and then lap 134 for stage three. That is the last lap of the race. And if my math is correct, that's uh, a total of 54 laps. Uh, That race will be covered on Fox Sports 1. Radio coverage is available on MRN and Sirius XM and NASCAR Radio. Now, what we have available to us uh, here on Wednesday morning is that John Hunter Nemechek will start from the Cometic Gasket Pole for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 presented by Westgate Resorts for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Las Vegas on Friday. Uh, Next, we'll have Chandler Smith. He's starting second. Uh, Those are both KBM, Kyle Busch Motorsports cars, followed by Stuart Friesen, Zane Smith, Carson Hosovar, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, Todd Gilliland, Sheldon Creed, and Austin Hill to round out the top Ten. Uh, so the entry list uh, uh, for this week includes uh, 37 drivers for 40 spots. So some of the notable drivers that will be in this race include the number three for Howie D. Sabino. Then you've got Brett Moffat in the number 25. Uh, Brett Holmes will be driving the number 32. Dylan Lupton behind the wheel of the number 33. Uh, McLaughlin will be behind the wheel of the 34. Uh, Hacker, uh, I believe that's, I want to say Jeff Hacker, but I might be wrong. Maybe Chad Hacker. I can't remember. Chris. Chris Hacker in the number 45. And Drew Dollar will be behind the wheel of the number 51 on this entry list. Uh, Let's go over the starting lineup, Jay, uh, so that people know how these guys are going to be going. We've we've covered the top 10, so let's start from the bottom. Row 19. All right. Row 19, going to be by himself. Ray Cicerelli in the number 49, CMI Motorsports Ford. Okay. And in row 18, starting number 36, 
in the number 34 is Dylan Lupton. And then in the number uh, 32, as we mentioned earlier, uh, starting 35th is Brett Holmes. He'll be driving the Southern State Bank Chevrolet. In the Enoch Supreme Lubricants Toyota, that'll be Spencer Davis in the number 11. Starting 33rd, the number 12, Tate Fogelman, with the Solid Rock Carrier Chevrolet. Row 16, starting in 32nd place, uh, driving the number 10, Fastener Supply Company Ford, is Jennifer Jo Cobb. In the number 20, Hair Club Chevrolet, is Spencer Boyd. The number 33 mentions C.J. McLaughlin in a Toyota. And I want to be clear here, we're talking about Tanner Gray now, Tanner Gray in the Ford Performance Ford number 15, starting at row 20, or er, row 15, spot number 29. Okay, now we'll go to row 14. In the number 30, uh, starting in 28th place, in the North American Motor Car Toyota is Danny Bone. Chris Hacker will be driving the number 45, Channel or Charred Flag Chevrolet. In a pair of Chevrolets, the O2, that'll be rookie Chris Wright. And to his inside, mentioned Howie DeSavino third in the number three Chevrolet. Row 12, uh, again, a pair of Chevrolets here. Uh, driving the number six for Hill Motorsports Chevrolet is Tyler Hill. And Grant Enzinger will be behind the wheel of the number nine Blaster Chevrolet uh, starting in 23rd place. Picking up a start here in the number 25 Rackley Roofing Chevrolet. That'll be Brett Moffitt, as we mentioned. And the 04 is Corey Roper in the Dean Ford. Starting in row 10, on the outside is Jack Wood. He'll be driving the number 24 Martin Auto Color Chevrolet. And Chase Purdy, another rookie, will be behind the wheel of the number 23 com Chevrolet. Row number nine, the 18th spot, there's the flagship KBM truck, the number 51. Drew Dollar, the driver this week, in the Sunbelt rental Toyota. And then rookie Haley Deegan in the number one Craftsman Ford. Row eight, starting in 16th place on the outside, is Tyler Ancrum in the number 26 Lunai Chevrolet. And starting 15th in the number 98 this week is Christian Eckes for Curb Records Toyota. The 14th spot goes to number 40, Ryan Truix, in the Marquis Spa Chevrolet. And to his inside, spot 13 is the 22 of Austin Wayne Self in the Go Texan A&M Technical Solutions Chevrolet. Okay, now we're up to row six. Uh, these guys are starting in the 11th and 12th spots. Uh, we'll start with Derek Krause in the number 19 on the outside. Uh, he'll be in the Napa Auto Care Toyota, number 19. And Johnny Sauter will be driving his Toyota in the number 13 on the inside. And then we already went through the top 10 starting positions. They were your 10 playoff drivers. I'm not sure, Sharon, if you can clear this up. I thought 
being that Todd Gillen, Austin Hill would have been back two positions starting in the final two spots, their ninth and tenth based on uh, elimination. Uh, but it looks like Sheldon Creed split in between them there. Yeah, that's a little confusing because Sheldon Creed definitely had the best run. Uh, the only thing I can think is uh, it's done by the metric qualifying system here because they don't have any practice of qualifying. So I'm not sure why Sheldon Creed's in that uh, ninth spot, uh, to be quite honest, unless they're looking at the whole year metrics uh, to determine his starting spot. I'm not sure. Well, and that's why I say I thought the playoff drivers were were to start in their top spots, and being that the Gilliland and Austin Hill were eliminated, that's why I thought Sheldon should be up in the at least the eighth spot then. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a surprise to me why he's starting ninth. I'm not sure what the answer is there. I will mention uh, that Tyler Reddick holds the track record dating back to October 1st of 2016. He had a time of 1 hour, 31 minutes, and 47 seconds. His speed at the track is 143.163. So uh, I know a lot of these drivers will be aiming for that this weekend. Almost certainly. And get into the uh, point standings here. thought I had that pulled up already. Oh, there it is. Uh, mentioned that we did have the first uh, set of eliminations here for the Camping World Truck Series. So resetting the point, John Hunter Nemechek, back to your points lead, 50 playoff points built up, so he'll start at 3,050. Sheldon Creed has 3,026 in second spot. Third spot will be Ben Rhodes at 3,019. Zane Smith now at 3,009, having picked up, I'm sorry, that was Zane Smith. Uh, 3,006 will be Chandler Smith picking up that victory this past weekend, advanced him into the round, as well as gave him the five additional uh, playoff points. Gives him a little bit of a head start. That puts him ahead of Matt Crafton, who's at 3,004. Carson Hosevor, rookie, at 3,002. Stuart Friesen mentioned at 3,000. And one, Todd Gillen and Austin Hill, they got reset. They'll be at 2,100 and then 2,094 for Austin Hill as they can still battle for the fifth spot. Yes, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, I'll tell you what, those 50 playoff points are making a huge difference for him. He's got 10 stage wins to go along with his five victories, and that's what's putting him in that number one spot. When you compare uh, Sheldon Creed to the three race wins, six stage wins, and to 26, uh, close to half of what Hunter Nemechek has. Yeah, that, that's what he built up through the year. But the other thing is, is the playoffs is when it's time to go. And Sheldon Creed has been going from the get-go. Yeah. Darn near swept the entire first round. So going to have to keep an eye on him. He ended up with a, a rough finish there at Bristol. But that's Bristol racing, as they say. Yes, indeed. And uh, uh, it's, it's really amazing what we're seeing here in the truck series. Surprise. Uh, many people very much surprised 
that both Todd Gilliland and Austin Hill were the drivers that fell below the cut line. Uh, And the big story here in the truck series is that uh, Chandler Smith, the rookie, won last week. Uh, He was in that 10th spot facing elimination and was able to win the race to punch his ticket into the playoffs. Zane Smith in that number nine spot also raced his way in uh, to the playoffs and was able to save himself uh, from potential elimination uh, headed into that race. The other other thing I think we got to look at here when we talk about the playoffs, so many storylines still to continue, but the truck series is a little bit different. Seven races for their playoffs. First three races, they eliminate two. The next three races to get to the final four, you got to eliminate four. And that puts Stuart Friesen, rookie Carson Hosevar, Matt Crafton, and Chandler Smith, even though he just picked up that victory, moved up to from starting 10th in the last round to 5th in this round, is still right now on that cut line as they enter round number two. Yes, and keeping in mind, keeping in mind that uh, the final four are the four that race at Phoenix for the championship. Right now, the top four drivers are John Hunter Nemechek and Sheldon Creed, of course, but we also have Ben Rhodes. And Zane Smith, who was facing the elimination last week, uh, is now in that top four. That, that, that goes back to, again, the playoff points they have built up. Zane doesn't have the victory but has nine points. Uh, built up in his playoff bucket, as Larry McReynolds liked to say, mentioned it. Once he got into the second round and they reseed it, instead of starting ninth uh, in the in the first round, ninth out of ten, he's now starting four out of the eight. So that gives him that advantage as to where he starts at least this this next round. So I think that what these guys are proving, Jay, is just about anything can happen in these playoff races. Uh, and somebody who may be at the bottom uh, of these eight could end up being a star when it's all said and done. Uh, Let's look at the schedule for the uh, uh, truck series because I want to tell you the tracks. uh, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong thing here. Uh, I want to tell you the tracks that they're going to be racing at in this final, in this penultimate round, I guess, the round of eight. Uh, that will determine who will be the final uh, four drivers that will be competing uh, for that championship at Phoenix. Okay, it's coming up here now. September. Okay, we know that they are racing uh, this week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, the next two races will be at Talladega Super Speedway on October the 2nd, and then Martinsville on October 30th will be the elimination race uh, that will eliminate four drivers. So that's uh, you got to look at uh, who are the drivers uh, that will shine in these next three races, Las Vegas, Talladega, and Martinsville. Well, a couple of things I, I look at here when we talk about this schedule uh, and the drivers that are remaining. Uh, first off, being that they have the, the shorter season, shorter playoffs, the, and they started their playoffs a little bit earlier, you go this week at Las Vegas, Talladega the week of uh, 
October 2nd, and then they have three weeks off before their elimination race on Saturday, October 30th. We see this regularly throughout their season. They have a little bit bigger gaps between races. That gap, though, between Talladega and that elimination race then at Martinsville, uh, that's a brutal three weeks for them, I guess, depending on your, on your viewpoint. If you're locked in and, and good to go, maybe not so much. But uh, that could be stressful for those that then got to wait it out and go after that elimination race at Martinsville. Yes, it can be very stressful. Uh, some notes here. Uh, let's see, we've still got a couple more minutes here. Uh, some notes here with regard to um, this weekend. Actually, I don't have a whole lot to tell. We've already kind of, uh, well, we will say this. Howie DiSafino, uh is going to be driving the number three uh, this weekend, and he's racing to honor his late mother's memory at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, so following the most recent truck race at Bristol, uh, at, Los, at uh, Bristol last week, uh, Howie DiStefino's mother, Dawn, lost her five-year battle with Cass cancer on Saturday, September the 18th. Uh, so Howie is determined to keep his emotions in check. Uh, he hails from Chesterfield, Virginia, and he's decided to fulfill his obligations to Jordan Anderson Racing and his marketing partners and uh, go ahead and race in honor of his mother's uh, passing. His mother's last words to her only son was, pass them all. Uh, when he, this is going to be a debut for him at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So uh, just to kind of on a sad note there, uh, Howie DiZafino is just 20. He's going to make his fifth truck race start of the season this Friday night, and he hopes to rebound from his disappointing 28th place finish at Bristol. Uh, so uh, he's got his longtime partner, Bud's Heating and Air Conditioning, is going to serve as the primary marketing partner on that number three Chevrolet. Uh, while Keys Vacations will hold an associate uh, role uh, during that triple header weekend with the three national series all racing at Las Vegas. Um, her name, his mother's name, will be on the passenger side door and will adorn a special name rail decal as well. So in addition to Bristol, DiSafino is making his Camping World Truck Series debut. He made a debut at Richmond, Virginia in April, and he competed at both Texas Motor Speedway and Pocono Raceway in June. He is also a six-time participant in the Arkham Menard Series, where he has earned two top ten finishes for AM Racing. So sad news, he's racing for H. Dill Racing this weekend uh, in that number three. So uh, kind of on a sad note, uh, but we certainly wish him the best as he races this weekend at Las Vegas. Most certainly do. Can't even imagine being in that kind of position uh, that he's in there with that situation. But continuing, like you said, to honor his obligations as well as then race for his mom. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, now we are going to move on now to the Xfinity Series. Uh, They also are going to be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Their race takes place on Saturday, September the 25th, uh, and the time will be 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They will race 200 laps. Uh, The first two laps are 45 laps apiece, so the first stage uh, will... uh, end on lap 45, the second stage on lap uh, 90, and then the third stage will be 111 laps and will end on lap 200. Uh, TV coverage will be on NBC Sports Network, radio coverage on PRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, the defending Xfinity Series champion, Austin Sendrick in the number two, will start the race in first place uh, will start the first race of the 2021 playoffs from the pole. Uh, this year's regular season champion, Austin Sindrick, in the number 16 for college racing, will start alongside him in second. Uh, then, ju- then it will be Justin Algauer in third, Justin Haley in fourth, and Harrison Burton rounding out the top five, followed by the Five drivers, Ty Gibbs in the number 54, Daniel Hamrick, Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson, and Riley Earps will round out the top 10. Uh, based on points, uh, t- Tommy, Timmy Hill in the number 13 did not qualify. So Jay and I will go ahead and cover the rest of the line up here, starting from the bottom up, so that uh, you know who else will be in this race. All right, mentioned one did not qualify, so that means we have a full field. Row number 20, the 40th spot will be the 74, C.J. McLaughlin in the Cy App Chevrolet, and then B.J. McLeod in his own B.J. McLeod Motorsport Chevrolet, number 99, starting 39th. In row 19, starting in 38th spot, uh, will be David Starr in the number 61 Angry Crab Shack Toyota, and Landon Castle will be behind the wheel of the number four Chevrolet starting in 37th spot. Moving up to spot number 36, there we find Bailey Curry in the number 15, Team JDMotorsports.com Chevrolet, and Carson Ware in the number 52 for a Keep It Safe, Keep It, keep it Secure.net Chevrolet. Row 17, we have uh, Matt Jaskell in the number 66 Auto Parts for Less.com Toyota and J.J. Yaley behind the wheel of the number 17 Parlor Chevrolet starting in 33rd place. The number 90 Spencer Boyd in the Mini Dodge Chevrolet, Mini Dog, that's Dog, not Dodge. I think it should be. I have a reading problem. (laughs) Yeah, no, nah, that was me. <laughs> uh, Mini Dogue Chevrolet. And then rookie Ryan Vargas in another Team JD Motorsports.com Chevrolet, the number six, starting in the 31st spot. Okay, Ryan, of course, uh, one of our rookies in the race. Uh, in row 15, starting in 30th place, is Mason Massey driving the number 78, Gerber Collision and Glass Chevrolet. Matt Mills will be behind the wheel of the JF Electric Toyota 
number five. The number 31 this week will be Ty Dillon in that South Point Hotel and Casino Chevrolet. And the 02 for our our Motorsport Chevrolet, that'll be Brett Moffitt. Okay. Uh, Next up is row 13. And Kyle Weatherman will start on the outside position in 26th spot, driving the number 47 Horrex Chevrolet. And in the numbers 26, Sixth, starting on the inside, is Dylan Lupton driving for Marquee General Engineering Toyota. Uh-oh. And number 23, okay. there we find Blaine Perkins in a Chevrolet. And the number 48, another rookie, Big Machine Spike Cooler Chevrolet with Jade Buford as the driver. Another one of our rookies. Okay, and row thir- I'm sorry, row 11. Uh, starting on the outside in the number zero for Everlawn Chevrolet is Jeffrey Earnhardt. And then one of our uh, regulars here on Banff Racing Radio is 21st position on the inside in the number seven, Joe Graff Jr. for Bucked Up Energy in the Chevrolet. RSS Racing number 39 starts 20th. The number 39 of Ryan Sieg, CMR Construction and Roofing, A-Game Ford. And then Tommy Joe Martins in the Market Rebellion Chevrolet, number 44, in the 19th spot. Row 9, starting on the outside in 18th position, is Josh Williams driving the number 92, Silverton Hotel and Casino Chevrolet. And in 17th place on the inside, in the number 36, is Alex LeBay driving the Globocam Chevrolet. Picking up a sponsor for Las Vegas is the number 68 of Brandon Brown. He's got the Trade the Chain Chevrolet in the 16th spot. The 15th spot is the number one, Josh Berry, for the PFJ Thank a Trucker Chevrolet. That is the number one junior motors, motorsports machine of Michael Annette. Annette had to step out yet again. We wish uh, Michael Annette the best as he continues to recover. In row seven, uh, starting on the outside in 14th position is Jeb Burton. He's one of the playoff drivers driving the number 10 Nutrien AG Solutions Chevrolet. And in the inside, also a playoff driver in 13th place, driving the number 51 is Jeremy Clements, driving the first Pacific funding Chevrolet. Row number six, there we have number two, Myatt Schneider, who's a playoff driver in the ALSCO uniform Chevrolet. And then we got a rookie filling in now in the number eight, Sam Mayer for the big machine Carly Pierce Chevrolet another junior motorsports machine. Okay. Uh, In row five, these are the top ten drivers uh, that we've mentioned before. Uh, Riley Earps in the number 98 South Point Ford and Noah Gregson in the number nine Bass Pro Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet. A spot goes to the number 19, Brandon Jones in the Menards Geldwin Toyota 
And another Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota in the seventh spot. That's the 18 of Daniel Hemrick, Hoppy Bank Toyota. In row three, we have uh, one of our rookies, uh, as well as a playoff driver, uh, having a phenomenal season. Uh, Ty Gibbs will, again, be behind the wheel of the number 54 Interstate Batteries Toyota. And on the inside, in the number 20, is Harrison Burton driving his Dex Imaging Toyota. Justin Haley's got the four spot in his number 11 leaf filter gutter protection Chevrolet for college racing. And then Junior Motorsports, Brant Chevrolet, number seven, Justin Allgaier. Okay, and in our front row, starting in, on the outside is just A.J. Allmendinger in the number 16 Hype Pierce, Hyper Rice uh, Chevrolet. And in the pole position is Austin Sendrick driving the number 22 Odyssey Battery Ford. So uh, the track record goes back to 2016, Jay, and Kyle Bush holds that. Uh, it's the time of two hours, three minutes, and 47 seconds at a speed of 145.415 uh, miles per hour. And again, I think a lot of these drivers would love to break that record this weekend in the fourth annual Alsco's Uniform 302. As I said, I don't know if we can call that breaking news that Kyle Busch holds a record in the Xfinity Series. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, but there you have it, uh, the lineup here. Let's go over the series point standings uh, because these guys ended their season last week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but now they have an opportunity uh, to start their playoffs. This is the first race of their playoffs in the uh, in the Xfinity Series. So uh, this is going to be interesting to see how this uh, how this plays out. Now we want the driver points. After the reset, so well, and we saw the battle on the track to win that regular season championship, and it played out in the point standings as Austin Sindrick and AJ Allmendinger are tied to start the round and the playoffs round number one at 2044. Both of them haven't made up 44 uh, playoff points. Then you go down to Justin Alger, who mentioned this, almost double what he has. He'll start at 20-20, so he's 20 points, uh, 24 points below the leaders, 20 points up on the cut line. Noah Gregson moves up into the third spot, having picked up two victories and built up 17 playoff points. Fifth spot, Justin Haley's spot. at yeah. – I'm you sorry, Noah third, Gregson's in fourth. Yeah. fourth. Yeah. I, di- I did. Uh, Gregson in fourth. Justin Haley in fifth at 2015. Daniel Hamrick doesn't have the victory, but has 14 playoff points. He'll start in sixth. Jeb Burton at 2009. Harrison Burton at 2008. Only a point between the Burtons. Then you got Myatt Schneider. The one victory gave him five playoff points, so he'll start at 2005. Brandon Jones at 2003. Riley Herbst picked up one stage win, so he starts at 2001. And then you got Jeremy Clements, your 12th and final spot, starting at 2,000 points even. 
Okay. So, uh, again, these guys are just starting their round, but if you're keeping track, uh, at the end of their round will be the um, uh, elimination race. So who are the bottom four there in that round in, in the series? Right. Right now, it's Jeremy Clements, Riley Herbst, Brandon Jones, and Maya Schneider. Uh, that cut line is only three points where you got Burton, Harrison, Burton first, and then another point up of Jeb Burton. So, tight battle, but as it is right now, Brandon Jones, Riley, or Maya Schneider, Brandon Jones, and Riley Herbst, along with Jeremy Clements, that are underneath the cut line. Okay. Um now, I do want to mention, too, that, um, let's see here, the schedule for this round for the uh, Xfinity Series, uh, two of the races are the same as the trucks, Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, this weekend, and then October 2nd, they'll be racing at Talladega Super Speedway. But their cutoff race uh, here in the Xfinity Series will actually take place October the 9th at Charlotte Motor Speedway's road course. So that's something to keep in mind as you think about these drivers and how this might uh, play out uh, for the series. It certainly was. And NASCAR did a wonderful job in all three series setting up these uh, cutoff races. We saw the Xfinity Series uh and their championship or in their regular season championship at Bristol where the truck series and the cup series, that was a, a cutoff race moving into this next round. The trucks jump right to Martinsville, but the cup series and the Xfinity series, they got to go through that Charlotte Roval. And we've seen how that race has played out in the past. Uh, great place to have it as a cutoff race. I think we got that excitement just like we did for the cup series, regular season finale at Daytona. Anything can be possible. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway is one of the 1.5-mile tracks uh, that these guys will race on. A lot of these guys are really good on 1.5-mile tracks. So I expect this to be an action-packed event, Jay. And this this round in particular for the Xfinity and the Cup Series, then in the middle of that, you throw in that wild card of Talladega. Uh, <laughs> I know the trucks are also running. Yeah, they go Las Vegas, Talladega, and go to Martinsville. Having that Talladega race in the middle in a wild card in and of itself, and then we're not just talking about playoff drivers. I think that may be where we don't see it very often, but here in the playoffs, see a non-playoff driver picking up one of these events. Yes. Uh, and and that's not out of the realm of possibility uh, because, as I mentioned, so many of these drivers are so good. Uh, you've got drivers that are really good on super speedways that maybe the other tracks are not their opportunity, but Talladega may be their opportunity to really shine on the national stage. I know I wanted, wanted to mention in, in the truck series uh, for sure, you got uh, Grant Enfinger uh, battling for the 11th spot. Again, that's as high as he can go. He currently holds that spot, um, letting it be known that he maybe should have been in the playoffs. Here in the Xfinity series, you got the same situation. Several drivers that may not have been eligible or just missed the playoffs still showing that they're in contention for their best spot, which would be 13th. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, some news that is also coming out of the Xfinity Series. Uh, BJ McLeod Motorsports announced uh, uh, yesterday that Stefan Parsons is going to be competing full-time uh, next year uh, with a primary sponsor of Sokol Digital uh, advertising on board for the entire season as well as Springgate's automotive suspension. So good news for Stefan Parsons being able to compete full-time uh, next season for B.J. McLeod. I just saw that and put it up in our hot topics if we get to that one as well. Uh, you're right. Uh, some good news coming out from B.J. McLeod Motorsports as well as for driver Stefan Parsons. Yes. Uh, it'll be his fourth straight year running for B.J. McLeod, uh, but it was under uh, uh, a part-time basis, so this will be the first season that he'll be racing full-time. So uh, definitely happy uh, for Stefan Parsons and looking forward to watching him race uh, next season. You mentioned it earlier that Josh Berry is going to be replacing Michael Lynette, who's still recovering from his injury at uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, we've seen that for several weeks. Uh, I know Michael Lynette has tried to come back uh, maybe a little earlier. He re- I think uh, one of the reports I heard was that he re-aggravated it, uh, training and lifting weights and getting back in shape, that he re-aggravated his uh, leg injury. So you mentioned best, wish him the best of uh, luck in his recovery here for, towards the end of the season. And some big news coming out this week, too. Uh, Nutrien, actually last week, Nutrien AG Solutions is not sponsoring college racing in 2022. Uh, That was kind of big news because they've been a huge sponsor. Uh, It's their third season of sponsorship and funds. uh, They funded 19 Xfinity Series races for Jeff Burton last year. Uh, but so if that sponsorship isn't replacing, they may be dropping one of the three Xfinity Series programs uh, because they're moving uh, a pair of teams up to the Cup Series next season. Yeah, I know we didn't get to that on Hot Topics uh, on Monday. We'll have to see if we get to it. But you're right, it does play a major impact on that. And we don't know what Colleg's intent was with the three Xfinity Series teams. We know they are planning on moving up to Cup with one full-time for sure. They do have two charters. So I have to see uh, how that all plays out and what comes out of that. Now, Burton, uh, Jeff, Jeff Burton, who drove that number 10 this year with Nutrien as his sponsor, scored his first career victory with an Xfinity win at Talladega earlier this year. So he – uh, that could also have a role. Uh, they're saying he could still have a role in a redefined debt colleague. If he's not retained in the Xfinity series, he could have a shot at driving the second cup car at college uh, and will field as a trophy hunter uh, driven by specialists. So uh, we'll have to look and see if he'll help them win an owner's championship or work toward an owner's uh, role uh, in that championship run next season in the Cup Series. Well, and I like what you said there, that college racing likes to use that trophy hunting. uh, That's for sure. (laughs) Yes, they do. So uh, just some news here in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Any other news you think that is noteworthy for us to mention here? 
No, I think we covered the Xfinity Series pretty well here. We'll see how this first round over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have lots of things going on with this being their round one uh, for their playoffs. Yes, indeed. Uh, next up, we'll go to the X, to the Cup Series. Uh, they're racing again this weekend, of course. The South Point 400 will take place on Sunday, September the 26th at Las uh, TV coverage will be on NBC Sports Network with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASA Radio. And I'm not sure why, but they don't give me the uh, uh, breakdown for the, uh, for the what is it I want to say, the stage break. So we'll have to see if that comes up a little bit later. Uh, based on qualifying metrics, uh, the lineup has been set. And Kyle Larson will start from for the Cup Point 400 NASCAR Cup Series race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Ryan Blaney will join him on the front row in the number 12, followed by uh, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, uh, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Kyle Busch to round out the top 10 drivers. We'll cover the rest of the lineup here, starting from the bottom up. I will start at the bottom as soon as my lineup loads here. Here we go. <laughs> Looks like we got uh, 38 starters. The 38th spot will be the 66 Fat Boy Ice Cream Toyota of J.J. Yaley to his inside. That'll be the 15 of Joey Gase in the NV Donate Life Chevrolet. Okay, a couple of Chevrolets here in row 18, uh, starting with Quinn Huff behind the wheel of the 00 Eagle Rock Reef Chevrolet, and Cody Ware uh, driving the number 51 Nurtec ODT Chevrolet. We talked about B.J. McLeod. He's driving his own team on the Cup Series, the number 78 International Materials Ford, starting 34th. And then 33rd will be the 77 Justin Haley Nations Guard Chevrolet. Row 16 on the outside in 32nd place is Anthony Alfredo, one of the two rookies of the race. Uh, he'll be driving behind the wheel of the number 38 Dockside Logistics Ford. And driving another uh, Ford is Josh Balicki behind the wheel of the number 52 Keep It Secure Ford. Garrett Smithley in the number 53 Redline Chevrolet starts 30th. And after a rough week at Bristol, the 29th spot, that's Ryan Newman in the number six, guaranteed rate Ford. Row 14, uh, starting on the outside, is Cole Custer driving the number 41 Dixie Vodka Greyhound Cocktail Ford. Try saying that five times real fast. Uh, In the number seven, is Corey LaJoy behind the wheel of the Built Bar Chevrolet. Next row up there, you find the 99 Chevrolet of Daniel Suarez and the number 17 Ford of Chris Busher. Row 12, starting on the outside in the number 37, is Ryan Priest driving the Natural Light Vodka Chevrolet. And Michael McDowell 
is in the number 34 carparts.com board. Row number 11, we got the 47, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and the Kroger Healthy Choice Chevrolet and the Dr. Pepper Toyota of the 23, Bubba Wallace. Okay, row 10, these are your top 10 drivers. Um, No, it's not your top 10 drivers. I'm sorry, starting in 20th position, uh, driving the number one is driving his uh, number one Chevrolet. Had some bad luck last week. Uh, just the car was not uh, built for that track for whatever reason. Uh, so uh, hopefully he'll have a better race this weekend. In the number 14 is a, the other rookie, Chase Briscoe, driving the one cure Ford, uh, number 14. Teammate to Kurt Busch starts on the outside of row 18. That's Ross Chastain in the number 42 Clover Chevrolet. And then we find the mobile one Ford, number 10 of Eric Almarola in the 17th spot. In row 8, starting in 16th place on the outside is Eric Jones driving the number 43 Medallion Bank Chevrolet. And Austin Hill on the inside uh, in his number three, Bet MGM Chevrolet. The number 21 Wood Brother Machine starts 14th. Matt DiBenedetto behind the wheel of the Suicide Prevention Lifeline Ford. And Tyler Reddick in the number eight, sponsored this week by Cat Trial 11, a Hot Wheels Chevrolet. Row six, starting on the outside in 12th. Spot is Christopher Bell driving the number 20 Sirius XM Toyota. And Chase Elliott on the inside will be driving the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. Both of them playoff drivers. And this is where we get into the top 10. The rest of the playoff drivers, the M&M's Ethel M Toyota, that's Kyle Busch. And the 22 Pennzoil Ford is Joey Logano. In the number two is Brad Keselowski in his Ford. And in the inside, driving the number 48 is Alex Bowman's Ally Chevrolet. The number 11 FedEx Office Toyota, now a championship contender. That's the 11 of Denny Hamlin. And last week's uh, pit road uh, involvement there, the number four subway delivery (laughs) Ford. That'll be Kevin Harvick. Row number two are two playoff drivers. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. behind the wheel of the number 19 Bass Pro Shops Toyota and William Byron driving the number 24 Exalta Chevrolet. Your front row, that's going to be the second starting spot outside that first row. The number 12 Ford, Penske Ford of Ryan Blaney. And back on the winning streak, the number five, Tarleton and Son Chevrolet. That'll be Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson. All right. And the track record that they're all going to try to beat this weekend, dating back to March of 2019, and held by Joey Logano. Uh, He had a time of two hours, 35 minutes, and 11 seconds with a speed of 154.849 miles per hour. So uh, there you have it, uh, the starting lineup for the Las Vegas Motor Speedway's fourth annual South Point 400. 
Okay, let's go. All right, the well, it, all right. We mentioned that that was the cutoff race at Bristol, starting round number two at Las Vegas. Reset the points, uh, picking up yet another victory, adding playoff points. Kyle Larson going to start at three thousand fifty-nine points. Second place, Martin Truex, already thirty points behind to start this round at three thousand twenty-nine. Then Danny Hamlin's at 3,024, along with Ryan Blaney. Tiebreaker goes to Danny Hamlin. We'll see if that changes throughout this round. Fifth spot, there you got Kyle Busch at 3,022. Chase Elliott is at 3,021. Seventh spot, there we find Bowman the Showman. Alex Bowman starts at 3,015. William Byron at 3,014, another one-point gap. Another point back is Joey Logano at 3,013. Tenth is Keselowski, Brad Keselowski at 3,008. Christopher Bell at 3,005. And Kevin Harvick at 3,002. So from top to bottom there, Kevin Harvick's looking at a 57-point deficit. But what he's really looking at is the cut line, and that would be the eighth, uh, eighth, nine. Yeah, the A spot, which would be William Byron at 3,014. He's only 12 behind that. So he's got to look first at 12 points, making up to get above that cut line, and then looking at the overall of being at uh, 57 points behind Larson. Yeah, Kevin Hart, you know, the only driver of the 12 playoff drivers without a win yet this season. I don't think anybody would have predicted that coming into uh, the year, considering he had, what, nine wins last year? Um, so a big surprise there with Kevin Harvick. Uh, but it's not going to surprise me if he wins this weekend at Las Vegas, uh, one of the 1.5-mile tracks. Now, keep in mind, too, uh, in this playoff round to 12, their tracks are exactly the same as the Xfinity Series. They're going to start off here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this week, and uh, they'll be racing 400.5 miles over 267 laps. Then they, October 3rd, they'll be racing at Talladega Super Speedway, and on October the 10th, their cutoff race will be at Charlotte Motor of course, the Bank of America Roval 400. Again, I don't know that you could have a much more exciting round. You get the standard 1.5 mile, and I say standard with a tongue-in-cheek, but typical uh, mile-and-a-half speedway to get them set. Then we go to Talladega, wild card, anything can happen. Some guy's going to be in some precarious positions going into the Charlotte Roval. Uh, It'll be a real interesting round here. It is, because Talladega can either hurt you really bad <laughs> or, uh, you know, make you make you uh, shine really bright. So it, we'll have to see what happens in all three of these races. Uh, I think a lot of these drivers want to get that victory in before they get to Talladega. Or as well as the Charlotte Roval, if that's not their uh, track of <laughs> choice, you're right. That's why this Las Vegas race, I think, could be – not, not maybe as wild, but some uh, bolder moves we might see at Las Vegas to try and get that victory so they don't have to worry about Talladega or the Roval. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I, I Definitely, this is some of my 
I like racing all year long, don't get me wrong, but my favorite time of the year is, of course, the playoffs uh, because there's so many things that can happen. It's kind of like the agony, the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, uh, dating myself a little bit there. But that's exactly what happens uh, during these playoffs. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of drivers' uh, hopes are dashed uh, during these playoffs. And uh, a lot of these other drivers uh, have an opportunity to really uh, shine during these playoffs. So uh, it, it's uh, where the cream really rises to the top. It is, and, and I mentioned this in the other series, not that we can't see it at Talladega in the Cup Series, but there are so many of the playoff drivers already having victories. To see it at the Cup level, a non-playoff driver pick up the victory, going to be a little bit more challenging, but we saw it really close at Daytona, so we'll have to see how Talladega does play into this round. Yes, indeed. I'm looking at uh, the most recent winner, at Las Vegas, uh, let me just see here if I can get that. I thought I had it, and it turned out that it wasn't what I thought it was. The 2020 top 12. Oh, let's look at the driver rating at Las Vegas. Uh, do I have that? It looks like Kyle Busch has the highest driver rating. No, it's actually Kevin Harvick has the highest driver rating at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, followed by Kyle Busch. Uh, no, I got to take it back. Joy Logano has the highest driver rating at Las Vegas. Uh, his driver rating is 103.7 at that track. Uh, 16 starts. He's got uh, one pole award there. Two wins and uh, six top fives along with 11 top tens. Kevin Harvick has a driver rating of 102.9, 24 starts, one pole, two wins, seven top fives, 12 top uh, tens, but he also has a couple of DNFs at that track. So it can go either way for him. Kyle Busch, uh, the only other driver over 100, he's at 100. A 100.2 in 20 starts. He's got the two poles, one win, five, I'm sorry, eight top fives, and 11 top tens. He, too, also has two DNFs. So, I don't know. Uh, Who do you pick for this weekend? Well, that like I said, the more I think about this, I kind of had some picks in mind already. Um, but I, I do think there's different storylines that, that we've seen develop. Kevin Harvick, uh, you want to talk about being motivated, and I don't know what it takes, like you said, to, to motivate Kevin Harvick more than usual, but we saw him fired up at Bristol. You see the intensity still quite alive in Kevin Harvick. Uh, I know you mentioned it all year long. We might see him really come out the gate and explode in the uh, playoffs. That might be a spot to capitalize. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, in 2020, the playoff race winner, by the way, was Kurt Busch driving his Chevrolet, uh, and that was on September 7th last year. So I believe he is the defending winner of this race. 
Well, I will, I will well. tell you this. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was, was going to say, since you asked me, I'd ask you. Uh, you already made your pick. I was looking at our fantasy picks. I knew we uh, only had a few of them in, but uh, you picked Kyle Busch. Uh, Sam took Martin Truex. Tommy had first pick, uh, went with the clear favorite of Kyle Larson. I don't know why you wouldn't take him if you have first pick. And then Andy took Chase Briscoe because Andy takes Chase Briscoe. <laughs> Right, right. But nobody's taken Joy Logano, who has the highest average, uh, the highest driver rating at that track with no DNFs. Uh, I did take Kyle Bush. I knew he had a pretty good driving record at that track. Uh, but uh, again, and nobody's taken Harvick yet either, who also has a high driver rating, <laughs> excuse me, at that track. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody else uh, picks drivers. Well, James, uh, I'm waiting to hear from James. He has the next pick before I can go, and then Owen and Mike. So uh, I got a little bit of an advantage doing the preview show here with you, Sharon, uh, over over Mike and Owen. Uh, and, again, they got the uh, last spot because they did better last week. So it allows us to try and make up some points by having the first better <laughs> pick before them. Well, and I've already given my pick. But uh, I think I've got a good one. We'll see what happens. I think Kyle's going to look to rebound uh, from last week. And, uh, again, I think he wants to get that win before Talladega and the road course. So we'll see what happens. Uh, But do you want to go ahead and give the update for our fantasy group as we transition here before we get into hot topics? All right, I can do that. I know, uh, and actually I did have to do a little bit of editing. Mike, being the stand-up guy that he is, I will say that here and now because he's not on here to hear me say it. But um, I did have his uh, Xfinity pick scored wrong from previous. He had changed from Josh Berry or from Austin Sindrick to Josh Berry, and I actually gave him credit for uh, Austin Sindrick's finish. So he pointed that out. Oh. We got that all straight. So appreciate that, Mike. Uh, he does lead the truck series. He's got 87 points. I'm at 83. Sharon's at 82. 77 for Andy. 74 for Sam. Owen at 67. Tommy, 66. And James, 52. Sliding over to the Xfinity series. Uh, there I have the lead at 108 to 102. Andy's at second to me. Mike is at 95. Thought him and Andy were closer, but Mike dropped back to 95 uh, with that correction. Sam at 91. James, 89. Sharon, 87. Owen and Tommy, 81. The Xfinity the Series has been my Achilles heel this year. <laughs> yeah, well, and that one, uh, let's see, top to bottom there is 27 points. The Truck Series was... 35, and then I think that with the exception of Andy in the Cup Series, uh, those are the two tighter ones. Here on the Cup side, uh, I got a total of 157. Owens at 147, Sam 146, Mike 144, Sharon 141. Top five, they're extremely tight, uh, 16 points, which is one playoff race. Then you got James at 115, Tommy at 105, Andy, again, been sticking with uh, Chase Briscoe at 70. Nobody mathematically eliminated, though, as of yet. And now let me see. I redid the overall as well. 
Again, nobody's been uh, eliminated yet. I'm at 335. Mike's at 322. Sam, 307. Sharon at 304. Owen at 303. James at 269. Andy, 255. And Tommy, 252. And I believe there's a 200-point uh, availability at 288 points yet available in all the series. So our overall, uh, Tommy could get up as high as uh, – 400 or 520 some points so nothing locked down Uh, yet exactly so uh we have had a lot of fun doing that this year and previous years for that matter and uh, jay we thank you for bringing up the idea and being kind of the host of all of that uh by keeping track of everybody's score and uh you do such a fantastic job with it we really really appreciate it well, and like you said, uh, definitely enjoyable. I know you said it. It adds a little bit more to that race. You got your list of drivers and who you're looking at as far as who's competing <laughs> against who. Yes, every week. Uh, ask my brother. He's usually with me when I watch these races, and uh, he usually picks as well. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll include him in the points next year, but uh, you know, I've got him too. And he's got the advantage of being able to pick anybody he wants. He's not limited by, uh, you know, previous picks that uh, eliminate some of your, 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 your picks. So maybe I'll put him in the mix next year. We would certainly love to have him. I, I know uh, I do uh, several different ones. I do them a lot of different ways. The one I do with my family, there it's you get two drivers uh, but you can't pick the drivers you picked the week before. That's our uh, limitation. You can't pick the same driver two weeks in a row. It doesn't matter who anybody else picks. You just can't pick the same two the same week, uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, well, that makes it interesting as well. Okay, and I've seen others where you pick a team uh, for the season. Is that the way it goes? You, you pick a team and you see how your team does? Is that the way NASCAR does it? Yeah, that's a, a typical uh, NASCAR uh, one. Some of them are based on points values. Um, some of them are, I think they, they went to where they're, again, for the whole year you can each pick only each driver only 10 times. Uh, and then you also have your garage driver each week in case through the first two rounds somebody has a bad race, you pull somebody out of your garage, put them in your lineup, pull somebody out. Uh, is another oh, wow. very unique situation they implemented uh, in the past couple of years. Interesting. Okay. So I think we keep it pretty simple, uh, and uh, I, that's that works for us. I, I was going to say, you know, that is very interesting, but they have a, a website that does it. If, if I'm the one doing this, uh, we're not doing that because that does take a lot of work, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Started. Did we pick up Andy yet? Here yet. So, well, he's on the East Coast, so it shouldn't be too confusing for him. Um, uh, so I had him on my list to start us off for Hot Topics, uh, but since he's not here yet, Jay, let's go ahead and have you kick us off with the first Hot Topic. Let me see if I have any more right. Andy. I was going to say, last I, last I saw, I thought he said he was going to, going to be here this morning. 
Yeah, and I don't have any notes from him, so we're still expecting him to show up. But go ahead and kick us off, Jay. Well, Wanda, I don't know that we can discuss a whole lot. I know you put up this morning, and I hadn't noticed it either, but David Gillen received a one-race suspension probation for violation of ARCA member conduct per the ARCA rule book, uh, something that happened post-race at Bristol. The only other thing I saw was it was for actions on pit road, and I didn't know if you had any more you could add to that first off. You know, I went back and watched the highlights. Uh, there was no mention of it. I don't remember any mention of it when I was watching for race. So I have no idea what happened. Uh, but uh, he's going to be suspended for one race, and he's also placed on probation for the remainder of the 2021 20, season uh, for that violation, 12-8.1, uh, which references ARCA member conduct guidelines. So uh, I'd be curious to know what happened, and I, was, I didn't get a chance to check to see if there was any mention of it on Twitter uh, but I haven't heard a thing about it. And, I, and I, I'm in that same boat. Uh, when you mentioned it, I was pulling up the Arkham Menards homepage. I know that's where it had that uh, article listed, and that's where I say I did pick up. It was some type of action on pit road. As a team owner, uh, I know, uh, what was it, Chip Ganassi, I believe, ended up with one for COVID protocol as he had more guests in the uh, VIP lounge or in the pit area. Um, than he was supposed to. So I don't know if it was that related or if it was uh, being involved in a scuffle or something where he shouldn't have been. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, Todd Gill, or I'm sorry, David Gillen, uh, we've seen building a great program with Ford and the developmental program throughout the truck series as well as Arkham Menard series. So hopefully uh, this doesn't become an issue. And it was kind of surprising to me um, Again, uh, not we all we've all seen anybody can lose their temper at any time, but he is on. You don't hear that about very often. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, the only thing I've seen here shown in the video is reasoning for his penalties. Okay, Arca has confirmed to me that the post-race scuffle following Thursday's Bush Beans 200 at uh, Bristol, shown in RL Racing 2's video, is the reasoning for David Gilliland's... Um, okay, yeah, I see a video now, NASCAR man. Uh, there were some punches that were thrown uh, on pit road after the ARCA race last Thursday, and that's why David Gilliland... Let me see... I will repost this video on my timeline so people can see uh, what it is I'm talking about. Uh, retweet. Retweet. I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, I just retweeted a uh, post uh, that I saw here, and I've got 12 notifications. My goodness. <laughs> Well, I'll pull that, pull that up there. Okay. See if we can pick Ty, or David Gillen out of that. And I say that uh, kind of led me to believe that there had to be something uh, something between his driver that he was involved in. We've seen crew chiefs uh, before in the past be involved in that. Normally not an owner. I know Richard Childress, there's jokes made about him when he takes his wristwatch off that Childress can throw down if he has to. 
Yeah, I think it's Drew Dollar in the number 15, is it not, Jay? I'm pretty sure Drew Dollar drives that number 15. And I think there was an on-track incident between Drew Dollar and Taylor Gray. So I think this might be... Well, and that would have been a Taylor Gray being his young driver um, for David Gilliland Racing that we talked so much about, uh, the one involved in it there. So uh, I understand standing up for your driver, but that's one of those where the driver kind of has to learn to develop that themselves. And an example of how to, how to handle it, uh, we've talked about Noah Gregson is one that maybe has recently learned how to better handle himself uh, and I just think like Coach Gibbs. I mean, Coach Gibbs has been frustrated in the past. You don't see that from him. I put David Gillen more towards that end. I, I really don't see that, even as a former driver, uh, see that out of him very often. Five. It's, it's definitely somebody uh, with Venturini Motorsports. I'm not sure if it's the number 15 or the number 55. Uh, the 15, by the way, is driven by Drew Dollar and the number 55 by Parker Chase. Uh, so I'm not sure which car. Those cars were lined up next to each other. Uh, this video that we're watching that I posted on Twitter, uh, is, uh, it shows both of those cars. So, again, we're trying to piece this together ourselves, <laughs> but apparently there were some punches thrown, atypical of uh, David Gillen. He is typically a very cool, calm, and collected guy. Uh, so you don't expect to see that from him. But, uh, again, I think that uh, uh, it's just one of those things that uh, happens sometimes. Our passions get the best of us. Uh, this is an emotional sport, and uh, sometimes our passions do get the best of us. I don't, I don't think we'll see an issue with it as far as him being on probation or uh, anything long-term down the future. Like I said, i just uh, really surprised by it to begin with. I uh, understand, give it the credit or, uh, benefit of the doubt, just uh, lost his cool for a moment. Um, and we don't know what was said or what provoked it, so we'll, we'll have to, uh, well, Andy, to look at his track here, record. Let me, see, let me see if Andy knows anything about this. Andy, all first right. of all, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sharon. Hi, Jay. How are you both doing today? We're doing great. Uh, we're talking, to, uh, Andy, about uh, uh, something that came up on ARCA Menard saying that uh, David Gilliland was fined for member violating member conduct on Pitt Road after Bristol Motor Speedway. I posted the video uh, that I found on Twitter uh, showing an altercation, and we're not sure if it's with him and the 55 or if it involves the 15. Uh, but uh, we're wondering, do you know anything about this? I don't, actually. I did see the news about it, and I can only understand that it was probably from frustrations after the Bristol race, um, but I, I don't know any details about it. But to your point, Sharon, you know, not something you would typically see from David Gilliland, um, but obviously as a team owner, if he felt that one of his drivers or teams had been wronged, you know, that's when the emotions or, come out, and especially at a short track like Bristol. So, um, you know, Andy, kind of we an missed part of your conversation there. Uh, you kind of uh, zoned out or the, your audio cut out. Uh, for part oh, of, you you thought okay it might now? be 
Yeah, we do now, but you said it might be surrounding something, and then that's when you cut out. Oh, it just might be surrounding the fact that, you know, David felt like one of his teams had been wronged on the track, and I don't even know what the incident was. I didn't actually see that race. Um, But obviously frustrations can run high, especially right after an event, and obviously David was frustrated about something. But, uh, yeah, certainly not something you uh, see every day, that's for sure. Okay. And as I mentioned, I do have the video up on my uh, timeline, Tampa Racing site on Twitter. Uh, if you want to take a look at that video, we'll let you guys come to your own conclusion of what you think happened there. Uh, but, uh, uh, Jay, did you have anything more that you wanted to say about that? No, again, just so unexpected. Again, Bristol, a short track, being one of those where tempers do flare, um, to see it from uh, an owner, especially one like David Gillen, kind of surprising. But if you've been around racing, you can you know that everybody hits that certain point. And not knowing what brought it out uh, on the track or post-race, I uh, really don't want to comment any further on it. Correct, because we are just – I want to make sure that that is clear. Uh, we're not sure what happened there either. We just know that uh, there's a video that's been posted, and uh, again, I have it in my timeline if folks want to take a look at that uh, at FamPracing.com, Racing site on Twitter. Uh, but Andy, let's go to you to uh, bring up the next topic that we're going to discuss here. Yeah, talking about um, the uh, the possibility for streaming services in NASCAR to become more prevalent. Uh, years down the road it doesn't sound like it'll be anything imminent the next tv deal i believe would be 2025 but kind of curious what your thoughts are to see nascar racing possibly make somewhat of a shift away from the standard cable tv package to possibly a more streaming service yeah i think it's 2025 before they think any of that's going to come into effect uh so this is certainly down the road uh, but, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I know we, we've kind of had this discussion before. I am not a big fan of it. If there is one or two, five races that uh, do end up on a streaming platform, I don't know. Uh, I may end up missing those races because that's not my particular uh, medium, preferred medium of watching a race. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. I know they're looking at it being how do you reach the maximum amount of audience as well as then to me, I don't, I'm not sure where the, the revenue comes from. Then we know where the revenue on TV comes from. Where does the revenue come from other than the paying for, for the app or uh, site, whatever you want to call it in order to stream it. Um, if that's enough to generate what we get from the television contract. So that's where I don't understand it. <coughs> Excuse me. And I don't think Mike chimed in it on this time. Uh, I know he has in the past, though, that he said that he was one that would absolutely go away from even watching races. I don't know that he'd hold true to that, but that was his statement at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, Brian Earps, who, by the way, happens to be the Senior Vice President of Media and Productions at, at NASCAR, uh, said that there will be some streaming element when the new rights deal comes into effect in 2025, 
that thing being said, potential fears about moving everything to a service like Peacock might be unnecessary. I think he's thinking about this as a third bucket. He said, think about Peacock, ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus, under the CBS side, obviously Amazon Prime as well. It's a third bucket to help underwrite the investment by networks in some of these big sports deals. So I think he's looking at this as kind of a supplement to uh, broadcast uh, TV uh, that uh, they might reach a broader audience with some streaming servicing also available. So I don't really have a problem with it. I think um, – uh, they're looking at this as an enhancement, not a uh, go-to for everything, but as an enhancement to what they're already offering. So to me, I think it's a, it sounds like it's a, a smart idea, a way to kind of expand uh, the audience for NASCAR uh, and allowing people to stream it if that's the way that they like to do TV. I know a lot of people are ending their cable uh, network and looking at streaming apps uh, and and just having the internet available uh, for them to stream uh, their TV versus having cable. So uh, that is a trend that is developing, and I think that NASCAR is uh, looking at being on top of that trend. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is just a sign of the times, right? I think that um, streaming yeah. apps and services are becoming more prevalent. And um, I think it's just part of, you know, the way we'll see things go. That being said, I think NASCAR still reaches such a broad audience that they really can't afford to put it exclusively on streaming services, even as part of a new deal, um, you know, four years down the road. I think that, um, you know, and I think even I'd have to look at the numbers in front of me, but I think Brian Herbs even mentioned in his um, in that press release that the cable audience is far broader than what they would reach on streaming services. So they know that they still have to have a presence on regular TV and probably even on your regular Fox and NBC or perhaps a new network if a new new network comes as part of the TV package renewal in 2025. But um, yeah, I think that you might see some practice and qualifying, maybe the occasional trucker Xfinity race on a streaming service, but it sounds like it'll predominantly still be TV and it should be. I think the majority of people in the United States still have regular or cable TV. And even though, like you said, Sharon, people are more and more gravitating towards streaming services. Um, I don't think it's intended to fully replace regular TV. So probably not something to get too stressed out about, but, you know, years and years down the road, it probably will trend that way towards streaming services. But it's, uh, I, I just think that there's too big of a, a presence with normal TV that it's not going to go away from that anytime soon. But with that all being said, you know, whatever, entity the race is on if it's a streaming app or cable or regular tv like as as a race fan you you find ways to watch these races if you want to watch bad enough absolutely jake any other thoughts on your end here's here's where my issue comes in with it and i know uh, if we take peacock for example they do have the wider range 
But if you get to, you have to pay-per-view or to pay for a streaming app to watch NASCAR races. You have to pay for an individual to watch basketball, the NBA, or the NFL. Of Now how much are you adding up to watch each of these individual ones? And I say I know, the reason I can say that Peacock I know is a wider range is that is where WWE Wrestling sold out their uh, streaming platform to. So they offer the variety of TV shows as well as then sports entertainment uh, for the WWE. If they have a combo package like that, it is something I would consider because there's multiple that I want to watch. Like I said, if I got to pay for NFL games on an app to in order to watch them and then the racing and then uh, NBA or whatever else I choose, you're starting to add up, you know, $10, $15, whatever it be, um, gets to be the same as a cable bill, which is that was the intent of cable. So the, as Andy said it, if it's supplemental, yeah, it'd be my choice. If I want to watch qualifying and I have to have it to watch qualifying or something, one-time deal. Um, like I said, I'm not going to go away and quit watching racing or lose interest in racing. I may not get to see as much of it live. I have Sirius XM that I listen to a lot anyway, being that, you know, I spend a lot of time in my vehicle and on the road. So for me, the radio is actually a more viable option. Okay. Well, here's what I think it is, Jay. I think that what's happening and what I've seen happening is that people are dropping their cable bill, but they're picking up their TV coverage through like Hulu's TV streaming services, which would include NBC Sports Network, Fox Sports, uh, CBS, you know, all the major networks. Uh, and people would be able to watch all their football, all their all the sports that they currently watch on cable now, they'd be able to watch through Hulu, let's say, Hulu TV, or YouTube TV, or Sling TV, or, you know, what other services are out there that are providing the same patients they would get on a cable network or cable service, you would now get through that streaming service in any one of those providers. So um, it's not that you'd have a separate app for each sport, but you would have a different streaming service providing that same coverage. So uh, that's what I think NASCAR is looking at. If they're providing it only on cable, uh, but uh, and not on the streaming part side of it, then they would miss people. So by making that transition to the streaming service, they're allowing those users that have dropped the cable or dropped the, uh, what do you call it, the top of the house for the satellite, the, the satellite or whatever, uh, or the antenna. If they drop their antenna TV, um, then these guys aren't going to be able to watch the race. So because they've got the streaming service instead of those other providers. So NASCAR's got to take a look at that and offer uh, the streaming service so that everybody can still be included. Uh, the numbers that they give here is uh, the broadcast TV penetration is 120 to 125 million homes. Cable TV is another 75 million, and the direct-to-consumer platforms right now are in the 15 million range. So 
that there's, we're going to see a shift in that over time because it's already started and more and more people are dropping the cable and the antenna TV and they're moving over to these streaming services through their internet provider. So, and there's a lot of internet providers that are out there uh, offering live TV through their service. And I mentioned just a few with Hulu, uh, Sling TV, um, YouTube has a TV offering now. So, uh, and it is a little bit more cost effective for people. So just something to kind of keep in mind when you're looking at this. I don't think they're looking at discontinuing the TV. Uh, They're just recognizing that people are shifting to the streaming services. Andy, any follow-up on your end? Not particularly, though. I I think that it's just a a way of the future, really. Um, And I did want to touch on on the streaming services that you're talking about. That's really – just another provider for a lot of the existing channels. Like, for example, um, I have cable myself, but I was actually visiting my parents this past weekend, and I was watching the race on NBC Sports Network, but it was via Sling, which is a streaming service that provides all these cable channels via the Internet, basically. I, I don't know if they're talking more specifically about that or they're talking about some of these broadcasts, whether it be practice qualifying or a race being put specifically on a streaming network, and that would be like Paramount Plus or Peacock, which is connected to NBC. Mm-hmm. Those are specifically streaming um, streaming entities. So I don't quite know if they're talking about, you know, the streaming provider, because a streaming provider will still provide you the same channels that you'd get on cable. Mm-hmm. So there's really no change there, but some of these um, some of these apps or, or streaming networks are specific, I think, to just streaming. So I'm not sure if that's what they meant or if they meant the streaming services. But nonetheless, I, I would say that you're right in thinking that you know more and more people are definitely trending that way, and, and I think that within probably 10 years, everything's going to be streaming for the most part. It's just the way it is. Things change, and um, we just have to adapt to these changes, and I don't care as long as I can still watch racing. So <laughs> we'll just have yeah, to make it I, I, I think Brian Earp said it. It's a third bucket by offering it on Peacock, ESPN, and Paramount because there are those people out there that don't have the streaming TV streaming service. Uh, they don't have cable. They don't have the TV streaming. And those apps that we're talking about are a third bucket for NASCAR to dip into to expand their audience because I think the younger generation, uh, they're, they're into all these different apps and everything. Uh, and it's a third bucket that NASCAR is exploring. Uh, and again, this is down the road. So, uh, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next hot topic. Jay, what do you have for us? Well, I put this one up the other day. Uh, I know we didn't get to it. Uh, heard a lot of talk as far as Kevin Harvick, but at Stuart Haas Racing, Rodney Childers signed an extension, and I believe it just says multiple years or years down the road that he's going to be with Stuart Haas Racing. Okay, Andy? 
I'm not surprised. I feel like Rodney is probably one of their bigger assets at SHR, certainly um, a championship winning and a top crew chief in the garage. If you're that organization, you're going to want to retain somebody like that, whether um, Harvick retires sooner than later. I think Rodney will probably still be there uh, into the future. So certainly um, a a good move for Stuart Haas to retain one of its um, top employees. Okay, and I would agree with Andy. I think uh, I'm not surprised either. I think Rodney has been a huge asset for Stuart Haas Racing uh, and will continue, obviously, with the re-signing of his contract for multiple years uh, as a, a an asset for Stuart Haas Racing. Um, I see Stuart Haas as a, a rebuilding. They're in a rebuilding uh, mode here. Harvick, obviously, but we don't know what the future holds with Kevin Harvick. Uh, but then you've got Chase Briscoe and Eric Almirola and uh, Cole Custer uh, there as well, with Eric Almirola, the most senior of those three. So, uh, and the, Riley Erbst is right now in the next. Okay, I am here, and I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, We're going to go off the air at 11 a.m., or I'm sorry, 12 noon Eastern time, Uh, but we will continue to record the rest of our conversation, uh, and uh, you'll be able to get that via my Twitter feed. Uh, Just fast forward to the two-hour mark when I post the podcast so you can hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, so I think we just went off the air. Uh, I got cut off. Jay got cut off. Andy, are you still here? So I'm still here, but it was it went silent for a while, for about a minute or so. <laughs> I'm not not quite sure what happened there, but I, I am still yeah. here. Yeah, both Andy and I, or both uh, Jay and I, got cut off. I believe we're all back on now. Jay, are you here? Yeah, I actually, I, when it went silent, I was seeing if it was my phone. I didn't, I wasn't watching the time, so I just, I cut myself off and called back in, fortunately, in time. So I think we're good to go again. I think we're good to go. And boy, did we make it just under the wire, Jay. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's why I say I wasn't watching the time that close. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. And, and uh, we both got cut off. And uh, I didn't know if I was going to make it back in time, but uh, we made it back just in time. Okay, so uh, I I forget now. I think I was – did you guys hear what I said, Andy? Uh, I don't – as far as your response? No, I guess yeah. not. Okay, so let me go ahead and say that. Um, I think I got cut off while I was talking. Um, what happened is I said that uh, I think Rodney Childers is a great asset at Stuart Haas Racing. And I see Stuart Haas Racing as a team that's kind of building, if you will. I know that there's uh, Kevin Harvick there, but we're not sure what Kevin Harvick's going to be doing uh, beyond this year, if he's going to be returning or if he's going to be retiring. But I think retirement is in his future sooner rather than later. Uh, and then you've got Eric Amarola, the senior of the next 
three drivers, or the next two drivers, which is uh, Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe. You've got Riley Earps in the wings driving in the Xfinity Series, uh, and I think it's possible depending on what he does in the next year, that he could be coming up into uh, Stuart Haas Racing. So I think Roger Childers is a great guy to help with that rebuilding of this next generation of drivers that are are coming into Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, He's a veteran crew chief. He's done well with Kevin Harvick, kind of the leader uh, there at Stuart Haas Racing. And so I think it's a good move for that organization. Jay, your comments? Well, there's a couple things that come into play. We had heard uh, the possibility of Kevin Harvick uh, owning his own team. First off, you do have to look look at, as a driver, you're right, his retirement uh, as a driver is coming uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but if he were to move to recreate his own cup team, uh, we've seen him have the truck team in the past. If that were a possibility, we've seen it before, uh, and I think it's happening with uh, Brad Keselowski, of taking a crew chief with when you leave. So Stuart mm-hmm. Haas securing Rodney Childress there at Stuart Haas Racing, a great move. Then you mentioned organization-wise, period. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily in a full rebuilding mode, but they do have a lot of change over year to year when we talk about different drivers that have come up one at a time. Uh, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman that have come for a year or two and then moved on to, for that stability. I mean, that's one of the things I look at. And Rodney Childers is one that could be there long-term, not just as a crew chief, but then moving into the competition or roles like that, that we've seen other organizations move top crew chiefs up like that. So I think it is a huge, huge uh, plus for Stuart Haas. Lock him down and keep him within that organization, primarily just for stability. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's one of their strongest assets, like I, I said earlier. And I feel like, you know, he, you know, certainly is young enough to remain a crew chief for quite some time, even after Harvick retires. And um, there's no denying the success that he's had. So certainly, you know, any any of those top crew chiefs, no matter which team they work for, uh, as a team owner, you want to try to get them locked down. And, and, you know, you bring up a good point of, you know, if Harvick decides to own his own team someday, uh, you know, Rodney has an existing deal to remain in place where he's at now. So uh, certainly a move that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, he, he certainly brings a lot to that team and will help get them back where they're used to running up front. Okay. I think uh, we've said uh, a lot there. I don't really have anything to add. So, Jay, I'll go to you uh, to wrap this topic up. Jay, did I lose you? No, that time I was that time I was on mute. Um, oh, <laughs> that may play a factor into how much longer Kevin Harvick stays uh, at Stuart Haas and racing. Uh, we've seen that in the past. The other thing I look at too, though, is um, whether or not we see a change. Uh, we talk about when a crew chief driver combination runs it, runs its course. And we mentioned it, nine wins last year for Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, that team. We haven't seen that yet, but we have seen them back to the front, uh, running up front, battling for the lead, as a matter of fact, at Bristol. So it'll be interesting to see with him re-signing, 
Kevin Harvick stays there, maybe in these final years we see a swap up and Rodney Childers pairs up with Cole Custer or you mentioned maybe even uh, Riley Herbst if he were to move into the fold or even Chase Briscoe. Okay, we got to cut out here on Jay. I don't know if it's Jay or if no. It's I'm me. still I'm still here. Oh, okay. Yeah, we lost your audio there for a minute or two. Okay, I I just I, I wrapped up by saying that it'd be interesting to see if Childress stays with Harvick. I mean, that's a possibility that he maybe pairs up with another driver within the organization here in the future. Yes, yes, that will be interesting to see. Andy, uh, do you have anything, uh, any other topics that you want to bring up? Um, I'm going to defer at this point. Jay, do you have anything you got? Well, we had um, had it released, uh, I don't know when it actually came out. Sharon and I both noticed it about the same time this morning. Stefan Parsons going to go full-time Xfinity next year with B.J. McLeod. Okay, Andy, your thoughts about Stefan Parsons? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a decent opportunity for him. I'm not sure that he's run a full season yet, so for him to get a full season's worth of experience in the Xfinity Series is um, is a good thing. So it gets him more on-track time. It gets him the opportunity to learn these tracks better, and, you know, I'm sure that uh, that team will – put forth the best effort that it can. So um, a good opportunity for both BJ McLeod Motorsports and for Stefan Parsons. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think Stefan Parsons coming back into the, uh, with uh, BJ McLeod and running a full season uh, will be a great opportunity for him. Um, And uh, I know BJ McLeod is looking at doing some things uh, to kind of build his organization uh, to be a little bit stronger than it has been. So uh, I I think this will be a good opportunity for Stefan Parsons. Jay? This is one I know, and I know Mike has some ties to, to, uh, to McLeod. Talk about his cup organization, not a top tier organization, obviously. I think in the Xfinity series, when we look at it, it's one of those that is on the very verge of possibly being put to, put together a solid multi-car team. And, and to get mm-hmm. that started, I think Stefan Parsons is one that I think is a good driver to start with, giving him that full-time ride. We've seen him in the limited starts uh, throughout years. I think you mentioned through uh, for, since 2018 to have him as a full-time driver that continuity and stability and see where that takes them um, and to that, to be able to step up to that next level. I'd say maybe even mid pack to top 10, maybe not yet a winning a race team or a championship contending team, but you got to take it step by step. And I think this is a good step in that direction of becoming a top 10 team, top 10, top 15 driver at the minimum. Okay. Any follow-up Andy? Uh, I don't, none at this time. Yeah, me either. So, Jay, unless you have something more to say, uh, I do want to bring up, do you have anything more you want to say, Jay? No, not on that. Uh, Like I said, we'll have to see how that team, I I know you mentioned that McLeod has some things in the works to establish that, and I think right now the Xfinity Series 
We've talked about a couple of teams that uh, may be moving down, moving on and shutting down or minimizing Joe Gibbs racing, college racing. I think this is their mm-hmm. opportunity to start getting in there and mixing it up with those top teams then. Yes, indeed. Uh, now I want to bring up because we talked about this on Monday night and I want to give Andy an opportunity to kind of, uh, uh, chime in on this. And that is when you look at the, what happened in the truck series with Chandler Smith, uh, coming from 10th and winning that race. Uh, and then in the cup series, uh, a couple of drivers that we thought would move on to the round of eight that did not move on to the round of eight. Uh, looking at the Cup Series specifically, uh, who do you think are going to be uh, – we lost four drivers. Who are going to be the next four drivers that don't make it into the next round? I I believe I was on Monday because we had this discussion with Mike oh, and Jay. Yeah. Um, I, okay, you were I on believe... Monday. I was thinking you weren't. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, no, okay, my apologies. <laughs> but it was a good I don't discussion, know why I would... It was a good discussion. Okay, I just was thinking we, we didn't have your thoughts on that, but we did get your thoughts on that, so I guess we'll move on to something else. Uh, Jay, do you have anything else? Well, the, what we talked about was the Cup Series and then with the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series had just set there, so we could talk about that as far as the Xfinity Series. Okay, let's talk about the Xfinity Series then, Andy. Who, what do you think is going to happen there in the Xfinity Series in this next round? I think the Xfinity Series has uh, Las Vegas, Talladega, and then the Charlotte Road Course will be their elimination race. Uh, your thoughts about uh, who's going to survive that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think that, unfortunately, it's it's pretty obvious to me, and, unless things drastically change how that's going to go as far as the guys at the back part of the, the playoffs. Um, it, just, it really comes down to performance, and I know that things can change, but if you look at, you know, the overall performance of, you know, unfortunately for Jeremy Clements in 12th, you know, a great racer that, that really gets a lot out of his equipment. That's a family-owned team and, and, quite frankly, probably overachieves with being in an underfunded car, you know, going up against top organizations and beating out some of them for a playoff berth is pretty impressive. But I've j- unless something freak happens, the odds of them going to the next round really is, is going to be pretty difficult. Um, Riley Erbs, I mean, what what can you say about him? I mean, this is – this is the team that went to the final four and won nine races last year. And they have been extremely far off that mark this year, unless something changes with that team. I don't see them going on to the next round. They just have not performed this year. Um, Brandon Jones kind of in the same boat as Herbs. I mean, they're in top level cars and just have not had a very good year. And unless things change, probably not going to move on. And Maya Snyder, you know, did win Homestead this year, um, and that's how they got into the playoffs. But the performance has been kind of tough. So those those four in the back four positions, I, I feel like unless things drastically change in the next three races, they're probably looking at a very early exit in the playoffs. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I would have to agree with Andy. I do think that Riley Earps has had some really good runs. I think he finished third at Bristol, which was a really good run for him. Uh, I think he is finally starting uh, to come around. Uh, it might be too little too late, if you will, uh, in the season this year. I hope, he, I hope he gets another opportunity next season. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, but I do, will say I've seen some glimmers there for Riley Earps. Brandon Jones, yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I, I expected more out of Brandon Jones this season, uh, and he just hasn't uh, given us. I know the competition is pretty stiff. Uh, uh, Jeremy Clements, I agree, he's an overachiever in in his number his car, and uh, you know I I think he's he's uh, probably not he's at the top of where he's going to go uh, in the series this year. And same with Maya Snyder. Maya Snyder uh, does have a race win this year that was great for him getting that race win, uh, but he doesn't have any stage wins. Uh, and he he's performed pretty much at the level that he's going to be able to perform at. When you look at the other competition uh, above him, I think the top eight that we have now are going to be the top eight. Uh, uh, so I'm not sure that these bottom four are going to make it to the next level. They might surprise us. Don't be surprised if Riley Earps has another good run at Las Vegas. He's raced at that track a lot uh, and and comes from – uh, that area, if I recall correctly. So I, I'm not going to be surprised if Riley Orbst has another good run at uh, Las Vegas, but I don't know that we're going to see it from him uh, in the Talladega race or the road course race. Uh, so I, I think what it is now is pretty much what it's going to be moving forward. We might see some people at the bottom of the eight have some good uh, runs and maybe push themselves up a little bit further like Noah Gregson's done, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Jay, your thoughts? Well, you both kind of took that easy route of the bottom four, the bottom four for a reason, and and you're right. I mean, that's a true statement. However, you look at Riley Herbst. I'm going to take Riley Herbst and Brandon Jones. Uh, Jeremy Clements, you mentioned it. Uh, Cell phone team, making the playoffs is great. That Talladega and the Roval, because he's good on road courses, although that one in particular, not your typical road course, and we've seen so many drivers that are so good on it, not as much faith as you would a regular road course that we've seen him win on in the past. You mentioned Myatt Schneider. Again, team got the victory. Good year for him. They made the playoffs. I think he needs that second full-time season under his belt. Look for him to be better and improve next year. The two in the middle there, though, Brandon Jones and Riley Herbs. Uh, Riley, I say, is on the uptrend. We've seen his performance pick up in recent weeks. Sharon said it, maybe a little too little too late. And Brandon Jones is that inconsistent. He's had a couple of good weeks. He's had a couple of bad weeks. And when I look at the points – um, to Harrison Burton is 2008. It is only five and seven points between them. So while I think those two seriously could move on and have some good runs, the good runs may not be good enough unless there's some bad runs by those in the top eight. And then Herps and Jones have to be there to capitalize on that and take advantage of it. I think that's where it's going to come into play. 
at this point in the season, good top 10 runs aren't going to get you into the top eight because your other Mm -hmm. drivers are already up there performing, winning, or have the stage uh, playoff points built up already so that if they have a bad race, they got that cushion to fall back on. Uh, So, it's going to be tough, but we saw it in the truck series. Both drivers from below the cut line raced their way in. We saw it in the cup series between two, set, two drivers uh, that battled it out, come down to two points. I think we could very well see that in the Xfinity series, and my belief is it would come from Brandon Jones or Riley Herbs. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Follow up. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the playoffs, though, you know, to play devil's advocate to my own response earlier is that things can change. And and even though those bottom four teams are the most likely to be eliminated, you know, this is the time when teams step up and put in their, you know, put in that extra effort, if you will. And it is entirely possible that, you know, one of those teams can pull out a win, especially at Talladega where anything can happen next week. So um, there's always that chance that somebody, you know, below the cut line presently makes that way in and, and wins their way to the next round. So, um, and we could also see teams that maybe are in that middle range, you know, that fourth to eighth area that maybe falter in performance, you know. So you just never really know what can happen. Uh, Vegas this weekend is fairly predictable, but the next two weeks, Talladega and the Charlotte Roble, not so much. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting certainly to see how it all unfolds. But, um, you know, with there being essentially two wild card races in this round, it's, you really just, you really don't quite know how it's going to go. So um, while we all think we know what's going to happen, certainly <laughs> you could, you could see some of these teams step up and make their way into that next round that we weren't expecting to. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think any of the three of us have a crystal ball to know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, But you are right. Uh, A lot of things could happen, especially at a track like Talladega. Uh, You know, Jeremy Clements could come up with a victory uh, and earn his way into the next round. Uh, So uh, a lot can happen here, and that's why we all tune in every week. Uh, so, you know, we hope nobody falters, but we've seen it happen. Look at what happened to Kurt Busch, uh, this last weekend, an elimination race at Bristol and his car was just, there was nothing they could do to improve his car. So somehow they missed the setup big time and it just ruined his, any possibility of him, uh, making it into that next round. So uh, you just never know what can happen. And uh, uh, although we don't want to see anybody falter, it's it's probably going to (laughs) happen. Somebody's going to have something happen. Uh, They get caught up in a wreck at Talladega. You just don't know what can happen. So you're right. None of us have that crystal ball to know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, we're just going to have to tune in to find out what does happen. But you're right. Jeb Burton and Harrison Burton are certainly vulnerable right now. They don't have very much of a cushion with nine points uh, between seventh place uh, Jeb Burton and uh, 12th place Jeremy Clements. Uh, That's a tight cushion. And I think we'll probably see that shift uh, over these next three races. Jay? 
Well, and when you look at it, I mentioned two that I thought could get in. The two I would have to pick as far as then possibly going out, minor, uh, setting aside any catastrophic failure by any of the drivers, I just think consistently Jeb Burton being one of them. We saw the victory. He's run good. Uh, Colleg Racing, with the exception of A.J. Allmendinger, hasn't been strong as a solid three-car team. And I'd go as far up then. I'd skip over Harrison Burton. We know he's been a championship contender before. So I skip over him. And then I also skip over Daniel Hemrick, who we've seen maybe not get the win, but still knocking down those top fives, top tens, top twos. Um, I go up to Justin Haley. He's another one. But then you throw in Talladega, where we know he is a good restrictor player, super speedway racer. Mm -hmm. So those would be the two I would say are – most concerning to me, not necessarily Harrison Burton because he's closer to the cut line, just of performance consistently throughout the year. Did you have anything else, No, that was all I had for today. Uh, and I think we're ready to uh, do our roundtable. Uh, Andy? Table. All right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be CB14 fan on Twitter, and um, as always, glad to be on today's uh, today's podcast edition of Fan for Racing, and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, all three series being out at Vegas this weekend. Okay, uh, Jay. Uh, you follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, probably going to be listening to a lot of the racing on the radio, as I mentioned. The weather permitting, we have added an additional date to Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway, to include modifieds yet again. So uh, looking forward to that, if the weather permits and we can get it in. Okay. I assume you're going to be at a racetrack. I lost your sound there for a minute, Uh, but hopefully everybody else heard it. Okay, I am Fan for Racing Sites on Twitter, for Racing Blog and Radio, everywhere else, including FanforRacing.com, where we post all of the recaps and our radio show broadcast. Uh, I'll be putting up our our podcast here for today's show uh, momentarily, so uh, fans can watch for that podcast coming up sometime early this afternoon. Uh, And... uh, A big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate all of you. We will be back to our regular schedule on September the 30th for our preview show. Uh, We will also be back this coming Monday to review the races at Las Vegas. So uh, look for us to be back to our regular schedule uh, here for the Thursday night show next Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, thank you for bearing with us through these two podcasts that we did for the last two weeks. Uh, We do appreciate that. And a big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew here today, Andy Lasty. Uh, We're always happy to have you on the show. And Jay Huseman, we always appreciate both of your insights here on our Hot Topic segment and uh, uh, Jay for what you do with our fantasy group and as co-host of our Thursday night show. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, I don't say it enough, uh, and I just want to make sure that I tell you guys thank you. Um, 
So uh, I think with that, I think we're ready to call it uh, call it a day. All right. Have a good one, folks. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the race weekend. Okay. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you on the other side. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.